Hello and welcome to Objective Health. My name is Erica and joining me in the virtual studio today is Doug, Elliot, Tiff, and behind the scenes is Damien. Hello. Hello. Hi. So welcome all. And we're here with another interesting, informative health topic in case you aren't inundated daily by all the things that are happening. Um, so we're going to talk about germ theory today and this idea about what's been kind of recently called hygiene theater, uh, and we are living in the middle of it. For those that live in countries where now masks and mandatory hand washing, social distancing, and spraying of all kinds of antimicrobial stuff is the uh, daily procedure to make it through life, especially if you deal with the public. I figured it would be good to get back to discussing this whole idea of germ theory and um, what it is really and, and what is the terrain theory. I mean, do we get sick from people because they're just dirty and carry germs or is it something that has to do with our own inner ecosystem and our immune system? And uh, you definitely won't hear topics like this discussed in the mainstream media because the vaccine will save us all according to, you know, the higher ups or the uh, controllers, if you will. But, um, what kind of fascinates me about this whole thing is um, years ago, uh, about three years ago, Green Med Info carried an article called Why the Only Thing Influenza May Kill is Ger Germ Theory. And it was published in 2017. And it was basically talking about research indicating that nearly everything we once believed about the purportedly deadly properties of flu viruses may be based on institutionalized superstition and myth. So germ theory being this very powerful force on the planet basically supports the idea that vaccinations will protect us and we have to get rid of germs to be safe. And it's just widely based on the work of Louis Pasteur, for those who are familiar, pasteurization and science that was conducted many years ago that, that germs spread disease. And um, on his deathbed, he actually recanted that. So he basically said it wasn't based on sound science. And for whatever reason, most people still believe this idea of germ theory and that yeah. the terrain is nothing, you know, the vaccination is everything. So what are your thoughts? Well, when I think about germ theory, I always end up thinking about Ansel Keys and how he said that saturated fat and cholesterol caused heart disease when it was absolutely not the truth. I place Louis Pasteur kind of in that same category as him, kind of um, very kind of outspoken researchers who were probably a little shady, but they talked a lot and got their ideas heard, and eventually it became kind of like mainstream. So I can't help thinking about that, and 
so just like the uh, the theory of heart disease or cholesterol causing heart disease or saturated fat causing heart disease and germ germs causing disease, I kind of lump those two together. I think they're both bullshit <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, uh, I've been doing some research. It's been a while since I delved really deep into it, but we've done a show back when we were the health and wellness show about germs and how germs can be our friends. And my belief based on the things that I've read, um, I think that germs are not the cause of illness. They're kind of the result of illness. And you have to look at the terrain, like your lifestyle, what you eat, what stresses you're under, like, if, do you drink? Do you use drugs? What is a condition of the, your inner landscape that will make you more susceptible or less susceptible to certain diseases? I think that's where the focus should be, not on little critters that invade your body well, and make you ill. I, I do not agree to say with that. that. There aren't some critters who do that. Like there are okay. some things that are dirty and we should stay away from. But in general, when I think of diseases, I always think, what did I do <laughs> to make this thing happen? Not what got me. Well, I mean, the. I kind of agree with what you say, Tiff. Like, <clears throat> I think germ theory is basically the idea that these germs are just out there and that um, anytime you kind of come in contact with the wrong one, it's like, you, that's it. You've got it. You know, mm -hmm. your immune, they, you know, they'll, they'll say a little bit about the immune system and how your immune system is. But generally, you know, especially with something like COVID, if you come into contact with it, forget it, game over, you've got it. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, you're going to die. But um, terrain theory, I feel like the terrain theory guys who, it, it sounds like you're more in line with Tiff, but I think that they go a little bit too far in the other direction where they say that it has nothing to do with germs, that, um, you know, bacteria are just um, basically uh, these microorganisms that eat debris, like cellular debris and stuff like that. And that if there weren't those if the disease wasn't there in the first place, you wouldn't actually see those bacteria or not as much of them or something like that. Or, and mm -hmm. that viruses don't actually exist, that they're just mistaking exosomes, uh, cellular debris essentially for, for viruses. I, I personally think that they've gone too far in the other direction there. I think there's lots of examples we can give where there are outbreaks of, you know, bacterial infections or something like, you know, drinking water that has giardia in it, cholera, the whole cholera mm. epidemic. Like there's lots of examples that I can think of where I think that it seems pretty obvious that there was some kind of microorganism involved that actually does make people sick. But yeah. the terrain aspect of it, I think is still very important because, you know, when I was quite young, uh, there was a, uh, a, a situation where I think it was E. coli, but maybe it was Maybe it was Giardia. Or it was, anyway, it was some kind of uh, bacteria that had gotten into the well system of an entire town. And a lot of people died, but not everybody died. Everybody who was drinking mm -hmm. the water, not everybody did. So it's like, how can you actually explain that? I mean, obviously, germ theory doesn't seem to go far enough with that because the terrain obviously made a difference. People who had a terrain that was inhospitable to this kind of bacterial infection didn't succumb to it. Whereas the people who were 
in a situation that their terrain was obviously more hospitable to this uh, bacteria did succumb to it and, and some of them actually died. So I, I think that, that there's kind of a happy medium between yeah. uh, the two theories. Well, I think that within germ theory itself, like even they say, and by they I mean that the proponents of germ theory, they always say susceptible host. Mm -hmm. So that right there just lends more credence to the terrain theory mm -hmm. because if a germ is deadly or infectious, it should be deadly and infectious in everyone mm. in all cases, but it's not. Yeah, indeed. Um, the, the, so the germ theory originally or kind of originating from the work of Louis Pasteur, right? Now it's based on this fantastical notion and thoroughly outdated notion that human beings are sterile organisms which basically means that we are we are composed of cells um tissues organs and we form one unit which is essentially or is originally believed to be we are free of bacteria bacteria we are free of viruses we are free of protozoa like we are clean in that sense right we are sterile um and that essentially a disease-causing agent can be some kind of pathogenic organism, some microorganism, whether it be bacteria, virus, protozoa, fungi, whatever it is. Um, and upon uh, incorporating that into our cells, into our body, then that can produce or, or independently cause the symptoms associated with a specific disease. So for instance, a giardia, giardia infection produces all of the symptoms, the chronic diarrhea, the blood loss, the dehydration, all of this kind of stuff that is found in giardia, right? Now that was basically incorporated as standard practice in modern medicine. And that has really been one of the guiding kind of beliefs or i guess you'd say ideology, which has been, um, yeah, it's made up a large portion of, portion of how medicine evolved to what it is today. Right. Mm -hmm. But there were always, um, there, there were always opposing, um, or opponents of this theory, uh, and in more recent research into areas such as the microbiome, very much, very much, called uh, the the germ theory into question on many levels so first of all this idea that a bacteria can independently cause disease or can cause or can produce symptoms is very difficult to square with the information which is coming out out about how human beings are hosts of trillions of colonies of bacteria of viruses of fungi right and that's not only in our gut so if we think about the microbiome people usually think about on the skin or they think about in the gut so in the intestine or in the mouth well it turns out that not only do our external surfaces house such a a vast array of different types of microorganisms we also have individual microbiomes 
in almost every organ in our body. Mm-hmm. So we have a microbiome in the brain. We have a microbiome in the breast tissue, particularly women. There are bacterial components. There are viruses. There are tr- innumerable types of organisms traveling in our blood at any one given time. Now, these aren't necessarily picked up by standard tests, but our blood has a microbiome. We are, if anything, we are the complete opposite of a sterile environment. We are essentially what is what might be referred to as a hollow biome, a compact organism which is made up of multiple colonies of trillions of different micro bugs, bugs essentially, which form who we are as human beings and actually outnumber ourselves by number. So we there are many more bacterial cells, for instance, than there are human cells. And so the problem is here is that when you look at why one bacteria may cause a problem in a susceptible individual as compared to someone else, we have to factor in that there are so many different variables. Mm-hmm. And some of the proponents of the terrain theory rightly point out that if the cells are not nourished in the way that they should be, if they are toxic through whatever kind of, say it's chemical, say it's some kind of metabolic problem, if the body is not functioning as it should, then we are going to be less able to regulate or to modulate our immune system. And we can become more reactive to these bacteria. So let me give you an example. There's a treatment which is referred to as fecal microbial transplants. We've spoken about this several times. It's very popular these days. I mean, it's essentially when someone has some kind of chronic gut infection or they have some kind of uh, inflammatory bowel disease, they may actually have a transplant. So transplant of the fecal matter, someone someone else's poo is injected into their colon or taken as capsules. And what this helps to do is rebalance the microbiome. So this is generally been very beneficial. It's had some excellent results, transferring different bacteria, healthy bacteria from some people into someone else's gut, which is referred to as dysbiotic or unhealthy. Now, It's mostly safe, but in some cases, there actually have been some deaths. So in one case, there was a death um, a couple of days after an FM FM transplant. um, And it it was found that actually a certain strain of E. coli, which was present in one person's gut, when they transferred that via the fecal microbial transplant, um, the person's immune system who was receiving that feces actually mobilized a great immune response against the E. coli, Mm -hmm. and they died shortly after. So there are major individual differences to how each person reacts to certain types of bugs. And another example of this, um, I found this myself. Most people who've been to some kind of tropical or foreign country will have also noticed this. If you go to some kind of third world country on holiday, say let's you go to India and you drink the drinking water, you are almost certainly going to get quite sick in terms of diarrhea, in terms of sickness, vomiting, all of this kind of stuff. It's traditionally referred to as Delhi belly if you go to India. <laughs> this is what the Westerners find is very common. However, if you look at the locals in that area, 
they are very well adapted to the microbial balance or the microbes which are found in that water. And so they do not have a problem. And there we see that a potentially deadly pathogen for a Westerner is in no way deadly for the local population in that area, which very well demonstrates that, in fact, something is different in the terrain. Something is different, whether it's the microbiome in the gut, whether it's genetics, whether it's the health of the population. There is some kind of interaction between us and bugs, which is going to determine whether we get sick or whether we remain healthy. And of course, there's there's whether someone's in good health or whether someone's sick, but there's also other other things like whether they are adapted to their environment, whether they have grown up with that bug, whether it is a novel type of um, agent. For instance, you can think of um, the um, the Europeans who initially went over to um, to Central America or to to the Americas, and. It was said, I might be wrong about this, but it was said that that many of the Americans, the Native Americans, died because of, was it smallpox or chickenpox? Yeah, Yeah, smallpox. smallpox. And there was hundreds of thousands who died because of that, whereas in the, the Europeans were relatively immune to that. Yeah. Well, an interesting question is we hear about Westerners traveling to third world countries and getting deli belly or king tut's revenge or whatever but do you ever hear of it the other way (laughs) like people who come from india to the u.s or to the uk do they get that that's just an aside it may or may not have anything to do with what we're talking about but i was just curious (laughs) i don't know i haven't heard of it no never heard but it it might happen (laughs) but it's interesting too that it also um it also the 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 microbiome. There's a lot of um, uh, there's a symbiotic nature to a lot of these um, different microbes that are in the gut or on the skin or wherever they may be. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of science has been looking into the cooperative aspect of this. So that I've heard of studies, and unfortunately, I don't really remember the details of this, but where they kind of introduced one uh, type of bacteria that would have a negative effect on the mouse or rat that they introduced it to. But if there was another one present, then it wouldn't have that effect. Um, so, and it's, it, it actually, it, it's even, there's a cooperation between viruses and bacteria as well. Like if a certain vi- uh, if a certain bacteria is present and a virus is introduced that would normally cause uh, some kind of illness, if that bacteria is present, it doesn't cause that illness. So I think there's a, a lot to be explored in this, and it seems like the science is just in its infancy, but it, it seems like there's even another layer to this, you know, the, the cooperative aspect between these different um, uh, microorganisms can actually confer some kind of benefit to the host. So what determines whether somebody gets this kind of like food poisoning or, um, you know, uh, some kind of viral infection, you know, there's, there's another layer there. It's like, well, what, what's already in them that can kind of um, counteract that? Um, anyway, I just find it, 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 it really is obviously a very complicated um, picture there as far as the terrain goes. Yeah, indeed. Um, 
there've been there's several theories which discuss how specific pathogens <clears throat> which I mean, if you look at some of the more recent literature over the past kind of 20 years or so, looking at diseases such as Alzheimer's, um, other forms of dementia, multiple sclerosis, heart disease, uh, atherosclerosis, many chronic diseases, there are usually an infectious or there is usually some kind of bacterial component, right? And so this is led one group of researchers or kind of a school of thought in scientific research um, to essentially target the bacteria. And this is very much taking a germ theory approach. And it's essentially citing that when the immune system becomes overburdened or when the person is in a state of metabolic ill health, they are less able to surveil the body for different pathogens. And so what can happen is, is as you get a decrease in tissue immunity, then that can allow pathogens to essentially um, to, to, to colonize our tissues, whether it be inside the brain, in the bloodstream, it can be anywhere else. And these are refer referred to as stealth infections. Now, when that happens, these bacteria can then go on to affect cells which can produce a situation which essentially mimics or at least contributes to the chronic disease that is associated with that bacteria. I'll give you one example. I'm pretty sure that there is a bacteria referred to as chlamydia pneumoniae or pneumonia, chlamydia pneumonia, and that's associated with atherosclerosis. There is also, um, what else is there? there? There's several, and I can't think of many off the top of my head, but you've got these very distinct pathogens, certain types of streptococcus, staphylococcus, which have been associated with things like Alzheimer's. And if you look at the mechanisms, yes, there is mechanistic evidence, which would suggest that the activity of these bacteria can produce changes which do further the pathogenesis of that condition. So they further the tissue changes, the cell changes that occur in something like Alzheimer's. However, if we turn that on its head, then there have also been some lines of evidence which would suggest that in some cases at least, these bacteria may not only be they, they may not be a cause, they may actually be a consequence. Mm -hmm. So they are a consequence of a dysfunctional tissue state in the first place, right? They are a consequence of the disease process. And it's not the bacteria that is causing the disease. It's just, it's, it's, it's like they are opportunistic and they will go to where they can at any one given time. And when you address the disease, the bacteria will, will kind of go away in and of itself. There is that line of kind of research but there's also this idea that in some of those cases, the bacteria may actually be fulfilling some kind of beneficial role, mm -hmm. right? And that's a very controversial like, look at things because the reason why it's so controversial is because it goes against germ theory, right? Mm -hmm. It goes against this idea that we are sterile and that bacteria are bad because bacteria cause disease. In fact, it's looking at a more holistic or symbiotic relationship between the human organism and specific bacteria. And this is one of the arguments or one of the, the, the kind of lines of thinking, the proponents of, of, of terrain theory, simply because um, the bacteria and these other microorganisms need human beings to survive. 
right? If they're feeding off you, if they're living in your gut, if they're living in your tissue and they're kind of feeding on your dead cells, then it doesn't benefit them for you to be dead per se, right? So they theoretically are going to do what they can to help you to live so that they can live, right? So you kind of help each other out. Mm -hmm. So there are some beneficial, there are some beneficial aspects of specific like high bacterial loads in specific disease conditions. I could think of in the gut, for instance, Clostridia. Um, Clostridia is a type of bacteria. C. diff is one of the most common forms of Clostridia, Clostridia difficile. And this has been known to cause severe diarrhea and terrible gut problems. But many people can harbor this bacteria either with no symptoms, but it's been shown that this bacteria can actually help us degrade certain toxic chemicals. One of those is called oxalate. So actually, if someone has a high burden of oxalate in the gut, the clostridia have been potentially are going to become overgrown in a case that is a gut infection, what it looks like on a stool test. But in fact, they may be playing a beneficial role to help the body degrade what is toxic. There's also some line of evidence suggesting that perhaps certain types of bacteria might help to sequester chemicals like glyphosate. Bacteria in the brain may help to uh, modulate the levels of amyloid plaque to prevent Alzheimer's disease, right? So there's a lot of research which kind of goes against this idea that bacteria are inherently bad, but in fact, they are either a consequence of a dysfunctional system as a whole, and they can't necessarily be considered to be purely responsible for causing a disease. And secondly, in some cases, they may actually be playing a beneficial role that has not yet been identified in medical science. That's interesting well, further, because further I remember hearing that um, Candida, remember when Candida was a big thing and everybody was always talking about Candida all the time? Yeah. Well, apparently yeah, there was had... one thing where they said uh, Candida was actually, and I don't remember exactly where I heard this, but that Candida actually served the function of sequestering heavy metals. That if a person had a high heavy metal burden, that the candida was kind of like a, a, a bacterial response to that, that they would sequester away this, this, uh, some of these metals so that it didn't actually affect the system. I don't know how true that was, but it, it just reminded me of that, what you were saying there, Elliot. It can. Well, and so can certain, sorry, Tiff, just one second. So can certain bacteria as well. They produce biofilm and mm -hmm. biofilm can actually hold within it metals it can hold toxic chemicals it can essentially prevent the body from absorbing it so in the gut if someone has lots of these toxic chemicals generally what you find from a clinical perspective at least what a lot of the naturopathic doctors have to kind of deal with is this thick layer of biofilm mm -hmm. which is holding all of these toxins these metals and things when you kill off the bacteria or when you break down the biofilm all of that leaches out mm -hmm. same line of thinking sorry tiff well, um, the same thing was said about uh, cancerous tumors, like they are holding specific toxins within that tumor. And that's one of the reasons why certain holistic uh, professionals do not advocate for biopsies, because once you punch that tumor, you release all these toxins into your cells. Mm. But when you're speaking about, uh, I just wanted to give another example about 
uh, certain bacteria and the terrain, like say your terrain is compromised for whatever reason, lifestyle, your diet or whatever, and you have a particular weakness, say in a joint somewhere or in your throat or whatever. Um, you can't really blame bacteria because the body sends a signal, okay, we have this area of the body that needs some cleanup. We need the bacteria to go in and start doing the cleanup work. And then they find, sometimes not, though, sometimes they'll find a certain bacteria that's associated with strep throat or some syphilis or gonorrhea in the person. Or sometimes they do not actually find certain bacteria in a person who has syphilis or strep throat or whatever. But at any rate, the general theory is that the bacteria go to clean up that particular area. Now, if your body is so stressed and so diseased or you're uh, elderly and you ha don't have a very strong immune system, that process can go on for a very long time. But in a healthy person where the bacteria is cleaning up, once all of those toxins are cleaned up and disposed of, then the disease stops, often without any treatment whatsoever. So that's just a, another example of the terrain and how important it is. And I think that our our health system and the fact that it's kind of like stuck, it's been stuck where it is for so very long is because we hold on so tightly to the germ theory. And I think we need to move kind of more towards terrain and maybe we'll discover more things about health and ways to keep ourselves healthy that we are just not allowed to even explore right now. Well, I think that that's financial financial interest yeah. there. There's a lot of people making money off of believing that we're sterile and that we need vaccines mm -hmm. and we need germ killing power. Especially yeah, in the climate that we so live in. Gross. <laughs> like how could they think that we're sterile? I mean, if they did think that we were sterile, the last thing you want is a vaccine inside of you. Yeah, the, the, it's like the difference between antibiotics and probiotics. Mm. And the research is pretty clear. Like an, an, unless someone is end stage, like infection, like really, really, really severe infection and they need help, like their immune mm -hmm. system needs help, like, okay, antibiotics, like they are gold standard, right, in many cases. But oftentimes with specific infections, particularly of the GI tract, and that's usually where a lot of these infections start, right? It's not, I mean, yeah, you get respiratory infections and you get infections entering other orifices, but it's mostly coming in through the mouth in the gut. That's where many of, many, many of the infections that we get are going to be coming in through that route. Now, there's, there's very good evidence to suggest that probiotics which are not killing any bacteria off per se, you're actually inoculating yourself with bacteria. You're adding more bacteria and they have just as good effect as the antibiotics, right? And that's for the lots of different conditions, even conditions that are not just related to the gut, but actually systemic infections. Probiotics can be very beneficial. And again, it's based on this concept boosting the terrain, supporting diversity, biodiversity. Um, the, 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 it's, it's essentially like a toolbox, right? If you have more tools in your toolbox, then you can do more things. And so in many cases, actually depleting the body of bacteria, killing off bacteria specifically in the gut makes one susceptible to certain infections, which cannot be kind of um, dealt with uh, in, in, 
in that in 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 a normal way. But there's also some very interesting evidence in rats and I think in humans. Um, Wim Hof did something very similar to this, but there's evidence showing that if you have two groups of rats and you inject them with the same type of bacteria, the only difference is between those rats is one has been genetically uh, genetically engineered, let's say. They've, they've, they've been bred to have a, a, an immune system which is hyper-reactive, meaning that they can't turn it off. They can't turn their immune system down. Ordinarily, when you come into contact with something, you should be able to modulate your immune system. So you say, ah, we need to invest more energy here and less energy here. We need more of these cells and less of these cells. So you need to be able to turn on and off your immune system any one given time and every different branch of your immune system. So back to the story, basically, you have two two groups of rats. You give them the same type of bacterial infection. One is bred not to be able to control their immune system. Theirs is hyperreactive. They can't properly turn it off. The other one has a normal immune system. The one group does not die. The one group gets the infection and then kind of uh, it runs its course. And the other group dies very quickly. And so the only difference is, is not the bacteria. It was the immune system. Okay. And that's the same with many toxins as well. So the same research has been done on heavy metals, for instance, mercury poisoning. So mercury, if the immune system is hyper reactive to the mercury, the animal gets mercury toxicity and dies. Otherwise, the animals who do not have a hyper reactive immune system, they live long and healthy lives because the body compartmentalizes that. So it's a similar concept. It's basically on this idea comes i think it comes back to how well your body is functioning as a whole how well how well you are deriving energy from food how well you can modulate your immune system how well you can do all the things that you need to do in the best way possible that is going to determine whether you are the person who dies from an infection or whether you are the one of the people who um who does not die of the infection it's not necessarily the infection that causes the, the problem. Now, it can cause a problem in some people, but it seems at least that one of the primary determinants is how the immune system is reacting to that pathogen rather than the other way around. Again, terrain theory, not germ theory. Well, you but see, there's, a, there's a bridge. Sorry, you go see ahead. This, uh, you see the same things in plants and animals as well. Like uh, I, I always think of like genetically modified foods as a really good example of like, like you were talking about trying to create the sterile environment, but you add all these things in so it can fight off weeds or pesticides or whatnot. And it uh, it's sickly already. And then people eat that and they become sickly. It, you can see the same thing if you treat the terrain, if you do organic or you give your plants food, you're not injecting anything directly into the plant. The plant is taking the nutrients from the soil and it is growing and propagating. And then it has the natural ability to fight off things like pests, right? So I feel like this, I mean, this is a huge topic that we could go on for a long time about, but I feel like if people are paying attention, you can see it in the environment as well as in your own life. And this whole COVID, you know, approach of like, 
unnecessarily ramping up hand sanitizer and washing your hands more and the mask and staying away from people. It's like you are really doing yourself a disservice because you cannot get your body completely wiped of all germs, like you were saying, Elliot, like it's not realistic, but what it does, and I think what it is doing, and I think this whole COVID thing is a great opportunity to kind of reintroduce this idea of germ theory to people that may not know, um, you know, is to freak people out so bad that they have no control and they obsessively try and clean or do these things and it's a losing battle. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like it's never going to be the solution. The solution is going to be lifestyle. The solution is like Tiffany, you were saying like, you know, what are you eating? What, what is your stress level alone and of itself? Because I feel like so many people are ill now because of the amount of stress that they're inundated with every day about germs, right? So it's, it's this constant cycle. And that's why I think we see this crazy vaccine, you know, I'll just get the vaccine and all will be fine because people don't have to think about it. They don't have to worry about it. The nanny state can impose a way of being. And if I just do what they say, then I'll live through this, you know, instead of taking personal responsibility personal responsibility for your health and wellness and your ability to build your immune system with probiotics. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I mean, I know I'm going off on a on tangent here, but <laughs> it really, it, again, it's about personal responsibility. And if you're concerned about getting ill, then you need to address what you're doing in your life, your terrain, your environment and, and, you know, make changes in that direction instead of looking to the medical establishment to save you from, from, from potential, you know, COVID or whatever, whatever new disease it will be in the coming times. You know what I mean? It, it, it's personal autonomy. It's responsibility, really. So. Well, nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to be an adult. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> Freedom comes responsibility. Yeah. If you don't responsibility, just live in a police state and see where that gets you. But I guess that doesn't really have, well, I guess in a, a way it kind of does have uh, a lot to do with what we're saying. It does come down to personal responsibility. And I think that people have more control over their health uh, than they think that they do. And uh, all you can do is just try it. A lot of people uh, say, you know, eat healthy. You might not have an exact idea of what healthy is, but people know when they're not eating healthy or they're not doing things that they should be doing for their health. Like if they're drinking too much or if they're taking drugs or pharmaceuticals or a lot of different things. There are always steps that you can take to improve your health. And there's lots of information out there on how to improve your terrain. There's no reason to live in fear about catching something. If you're I, I agree. Well, I think that about covers it for today. Get that terrain nice and healthy. Mm. <laughs> and um, I thank you all for listening and my, uh, co-hosts for joining in please like and subscribe uh, check us out comment if you have anything you'd like to share 
And uh, we look forward to seeing you all again in this virtual medium. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.